guys could sit so I can, too. Um, I'm just excited because my kids gave me this new app for Christmas. It's like a remote control in your phone. So bear with me as I play with it because I want to see what's on, like how Christians should live net TV network here. So let me see here. Let's start with the first one here. So, all right, so th- look at this. Look at that. It's like they're passing the offering plate, and <laughs> that, guy, that guy did not give. Man, you know what? He better be giving online because I know Jesus is watching that one. So, all right, let's see what else is on here. Well, there's, that's a true Christian right there, though, eating a Chick-fil-A. You know that they get their, their, their life is in order because you've got to eat a Chick-fil-A if you're a Christian. That's just the rules of the, the game. So let's see. All right, let's see what else is on here. All right. Oh, man. Uh, now look at that. A couple of those people are true believers. Look at the, the touchdown. That, that, you know, if, like, if your hands are fully up, you are truly saved. If you're partway, you're just not sure. You're kind of confused. And, man, if you're singing and your hands are down in, or in your pockets, mm, God is not pleased with that. I can tell you that right now. So, all right, let's see what else we got on TV here. Ooh, oh, look at that. That is one well-dressed kid. I can tell you right now, she knows the Lord because you got to dress right. All right, let's see what's next. Nope. No, no chance. Shorts in church? Boy, there is not a place. I don't know. I don't know. You're going to get a shack in heaven, I think, but you'll be lucky if you, you know, I don't know. You can't be wearing shorts. It's just let's move on, that's disgusting, so, all right, let's see, here we go, all right, all right, there you go, a sports car and a Jesus sticker, really, where are your priorities, treasures in heaven, I don't think so, and I bet you have that little Jesus sticker, and you're speeding, yeah, yeah, explain that one, explain that to the Lord, so, all right, so, let me start by saying, if you're cringing, then my wife was right. So as I was looking through this and we were talking through this, we started thinking about how many times we sit on the couch in the Christian life and we judge what other people are doing, but we never look at ourselves to say, what is it that God wants for my life? We're too too interested in saying, what are they doing wrong? Or how are they dressing? Or how are they worshiping? Or whatever the case is. But we never really look and say, what about myself? What is it that God wants for me? Because we're not called to be armchair, armchair Christians. Like, how many, how many here like watching football, especially this time of year? It's fun. I'll get out there, and I'll be honest with you, I am the armchair quarterback. I sit there, and I'm the armchair coach, and I know exactly what they should have done. You know, and, and I just sit there, and I yell at them. Like, for some reason, they're going to stop and say, oh, hang on, Nelson's yelling. Let's see what he has to say. And, and I just get so upset about it. And, and a lot of times we carry that over to our Christian lives. To we sit there on the couch and we sit there and we look at other people and we sit there and we judge and we say, boy, you should have done it this way. You should have called that play. You should have done this. And we, we go through life so many times doing that that we think we're okay because we're looking at other people that aren't quite doing it the same way that we would do it. And, we, and that's how we kind of judge things here. <clears throat> We've got... Um, the Olympics are coming up in a, in a couple months here. And you think about this, that you don't get somebody who's going to run in the Olympics 
who wakes up one morning and, and says, you know what, <sighs> I got nothing else to do today. I think I'll run in the Olympics. And they just go out and they just run. There are years and years of training for that. They don't sit there and just wake up one day and just say, hey, I'm going to go play football or I'm going to go run in the Olympics or whatever the case is. It's years of, of pre- preparation for that. I want us to look at 1 Corinthians. If you've got your Bibles, if, um, we're going to be in um, a couple different places. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the, in the chair um, in front of you there. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and then we'll be looking at a couple other passages. <clears throat> but we look at Paul. Paul wrote almost half the New Testament. And as he wrote it, a lot of times he uses analogies of sports. He talks about races, and he talks about different things where... Um, it just kind of takes the Christian life and says, here's how it looks in the sports context. So 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave, so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified from the prize. So here's Paul talking about the Christian life, living the life that Christ wants us to live, and he's comparing it to a race. And he says that all the runners are in the race, but only one's going to get the prize. He says, in the same way, run to get the prize. Don't just run just to run a race. He says, run toward that prize. And that prize is being like Christ. Christ's likeness of, of perfection that we're not going to attain here on this earth. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But the prize is also used one other time in the New Testament. And again, it's Paul's writing in Philippians 3, verse 14. It says, I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward calling of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul says, I press on toward the goal because I want to strive for that prize. And that prize is Christ's likeness, the perfection that only Christ can bring, and something that we never achieve on this earth. But we need to be striving toward that, reaching toward that. When we live our lives, do we live it in a way that says, I want to be like Christ? Do we have him out there as the example of what we're trying to move toward and how we're trying to live our lives. Because what God offers is far more um, valuable, un- unimaginably more valuable than all the gold in the Olympics. To sit there and get a, a medal that's going to tarnish, that's going to fade away is, is one thing. But to, to get something that's going to last for eternity is something totally different. And that's what, that's what Paul's talking about here is running toward that prize, a prize that's going to last forever. And then he talks about a crown. He's, he, t- he sits there and he says that we're, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And again, in, first, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, and 8, this is what they says. it says there, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. This is Paul talking. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And so 
we look at that, and we, it says the crown of righteousness, the crown of, of being like Christ, knowing that we're not there yet, that we continue to still sin, we repent, God forgives, and that's the way our, our life works on this earth. But we continue to run toward that, knowing that our, our ultimate goal is when we stand before God, that God's going to say, well done. And that's what we're going to look at here. The Christian's prize is the honor and glory of the eternal rewards. A lot of times what happens is we kind of think of it as, what, what can I get on this earth? If, I, if I'm good enough, then I'm going to get this prize. That I'm going, to, I'm going to get to heaven if I just do enough. And that's not what the Bible's talking about. The Bible talks about the fact that, that we're saved by grace. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved because of what Christ did for us. But we're saved to run the race, to have that prize in front of us of being like Christ and living that way. And it's the joy of hearing Jesus say, well done. Matthew 25, 21 talks about the parable of, of the, um, the stewards. And here's, here's the, the master coming up and saying to the one that, that did well, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we're work, working toward, is having that prize ahead of us of God saying, well done, good and faithful servant. The, the amazing grace of God, that's uh, salvation, that's a free gift from God. So I remember when I was in uh, high school, between my freshman and sophomore year, I was running track, and my coach said, I, wanna, I want you to, to go up against some college students as you're running just to get a chance to see you know, how much more you have to work from where you think you are. So we went out there, and I'm telling you what, I was so excited to be out there running with these college, you know, runners as a, basically not even a sophomore in high school. And I went out there, and I was like, this is so cool. And I'm looking at these guys, and I'm like, man, this is amazing. And what they did was we were on a track, and I don't remember what it was. It was a, a mile, half mile. And so they lined us up, and my group goes and takes off, and they go, and I realize I'm out of my league. Before it even started, I was just like, wow, this is, this is painful. So they're running, and the next group kind of starts a while after us. Well, what happened was my group had finished. I'm still running. The second group catches up, and I come across the finish line with them. I got a ribbon for third place. That was so awesome. I was sitting there going, check it out. And I, pr- I brought it home. And I'm like, Dad, did you see that? And he goes, oh, I saw it. I saw what happened. I was like, but it was just that idea that I was sitting there going, I was just so excited to be in the race. It didn't really matter whether I was going to, I knew I wasn't going to win. As soon as the, the gun took off, I was, you know, shot off, I was just like, all right, I'm out of my league. But it's that idea that I was just sitting there going, I'm happy just to be in the race. And I think too many times as Christians, we're happy just to be in the race. We're happy to sit there and say, you know what, I'm going to heaven. And that's the end of it. So we're not even in the race. We're just sitting there going, boy, look at all those guys running that race. I'm, you know, I'm out of their league. I mean, there's no way I can, I can handle that. And so we just kind of sit back and just say, I'm just glad I'm going to heaven. And that's kind of how we live our lives. We're just... We settle for the fact that I said a prayer, and now, and that's, that's the end of it. It's interesting, we're getting ready to go on our Mexico mission trip this summer, and, and we had the kids fill out applications. 
And as, as I was reading through them, and as I've read, read through these applications for years, there's a, there's a number of things that really kind of caught my eye. And one of them is, how many kids sit there and say, I said a prayer when I was young. I said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. And then so many of them sit there and say, it wasn't until I was in high school or older that I realized what that really meant. That it was more than just saying a prayer, that it was Jesus wants a relationship with me. And so many of them said it took a while for them to realize that. I was the same way. I said a prayer when I was in second grade. I remember it. I remember where I was at. But when I was in high school, I, I moved out to Indiana to live with my father. And I went to that youth group there, and I saw something totally different. I saw kids in a youth group that were excited about what they were living out. They had a relationship with Christ that I didn't fully understand up to that point. And that's the thing we understand is, is that we're in a race, but if you don't understand that the race is like Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to sit there and say, I've got fire insurance. I'm not going to hell. I'm good. He wants you to live the life of pursuing after Christ's likeness, going after it with everything, not just happy to be in the race, but running it to win. And in and, and the same, same way that, that I, I was running that race, I wasn't running to win. I was just like, I'm just glad I'm here. So, so the question we have to ask is, what does running the race to win look like? When we talk about run the race to win, what does that look like? Here's just a few things to think about. Staying strong when those around us fall. When someone comes up, and all of a sudden, we can sit there and say, I'm not sure if this is the right thing to do, and everyone around us is doing what I feel is wrong. To stay strong and say, I'm still going to do what I know is right. Even if it costs me something, I'm going to stay strong to that. Serving those in need. When we see someone in need and we have the ability to help, being willing to do that, how, whatever that looks like. Being pure in our thoughts and actions. Not just our actions, but also our thoughts. And, and just saying that, God, I want to be pure in how I live my life and how I think and how I act. I want you to be pleased with what you see. Having integrity when no one is looking or it seems like no one cares. You know, there's a lot of times when you could be working and your boss doesn't care how you get the results. Your boss just cares that you get the results, however you do it. And so we can sit there and say, he doesn't care. Why should I? But to have that integrity of saying, I have a bigger boss. And my boss is God that I truly work for. In the end, we work for God. If we put our faith in Christ, God is our ultimate boss. And so when, whatever we're doing, we need to do it in a way that honors him. And that he's pleased with what we're doing. Or maybe it's forgiving someone who's really hurt you. Somebody who's, who's, you know that they did it on purpose, and you know they did it because they wanted to hurt you. And to sit there and say, I'm going to forgive them, even though I, I know that they don't deserve it in my mind. And, and so we think about it, running the race to win, those are just some examples. We can think of many others of if we're going to run this race, that's what Christ is calling us to. How, does, how would Jesus do this? The phrase that was years ago, the WWJD, it became, you know, people started just kind of like rolling their eyes when they heard it, but 
it's really something to think about is, what would Jesus do in this situation? If I'm put in a situation, how would Jesus handle the situation? And just sit there and say, that's what running the race is. is saying, how am I going to do it in a way that Jesus would do it as well? And we can only do this when we realize how much God loves us and what he's done for us. So when we go to Hebrews 12, and verses 1 and 2. So you think about it, think about the race that we're talking about, and you think about the fact that as we're running this race, you've got all these people in the stands cheering. And this is what Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Who's he talking about? All those people he talked about in Hebrews 11 that Matt, Pastor Matt has just gone through. All these men and women of faith. All these people that have gone before us and are, are, are there in heaven cheering us on. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he said, since we have this, cloud of, this crowd of witnesses that are excited, cheering us on, he says, throw off anything that's going to hinder you and run that race. If you're going into a race and you're serious about running this race and you're saying, I want to, I want to win this race, you don't come in with a 50-pound suitcase and say, I'm ready to go, even if it had wheels on it, okay? You, just, you don't come in and say, you, you, it, the Bible says, throw off everything that hinders, anything that's going to slow you down, anything that's going to take away from you living the life that Christ wants you to live. He says, throw it off, and, and then run the race. Our focus needs to be on the finish line. Our focus in this race needs to be on Christ standing at the finish line, and not the other runners. <laughs> a lot of times we sit there and we think that if I'm in a race, I, I look at the other runners and I determine how well I did by, by the other runners. But really, in, in, in the thing we have to look at is, did I run the race the best I could? Did I run as fast as I could possibly run? Was there anything left in the tank? I ran cross country in, in college. And I can tell you honestly that every race I got done, I would lay on the, on the finish line and I would throw up. Every race. And part of it was just, I don't know, you know, my sinuses and you know, stuff like that. But it was just kind of, I got to the point where I was at the end and I was like, there's nothing left. There is nothing left. And if it would have been another 10 feet, I would have crawled 10 feet to the finish line. But it's just that you get, get to the finish line and you just fall down. And that's what God is saying is in, in the race, don't sit there and say, wow, I'm faster than them, so I'm doing all right. Or that person's faster than me, so I must really be bad. He's saying, are you running the race the best that you can? Are you running with everything that you have inside you? And so we, we look at it, we sit there and say, how do we do this? We've got to avoid the distractions that are around us. Again, our focus needs to be on Christ. I, I, I ran in um, cross country in, in Nyack, New York. So I was out in um, just right, right near New York City. Really hilly and windy um, course that we had there. And I remember one time, I was probably second or third on our team. 
and there were times we'd have a race, and our team would be one, two, three, as far as like if we, we'd have five teams together, and we would, uh, we'd have the first three spots on a lot of those races. And so I was, I was running this race, and I knew that there were runners that were faster than me on this. And as I was going, I'm, I'm going through the woods, I'll, I'll, you know, winding through the trees and stuff like that. And all of a sudden, I realized, I said, man, there, there should be a couple people in front of me. And, and I'm, so I'm, I'm a little worried, thinking, did I take a wrong turn? So as I'm going, I'm running, and I turn around just to make sure that there are people behind me. And I saw that they were. And as I turn back around, only I, I, I tell you honestly that this only happens to me, and I, I can't make this stuff up. I hit a tree, and I fall to the ground. And at that point, I realized I was on the right path because everyone just ran over me. And I laid there, and I was like, I am an idiot. Why did I turn around and look to see if, if people were behind me? And as I laid there, and I was just, and it, it hurt. And it basically came to the point where the end of the race, the coach, was, they, they, they sent a search you know, party out to find me. Because I was just, I, I came in re- really late on, on that one, you know, concussion protocol and all that stuff. But, um, but the whole idea of when we're running, our focus needs to be ahead of us. What am I running toward? I'm running toward Christ. I'm looking at Christ, and Christ is saying, this is how I want you to live. If we're looking at Christ, and we do that through the Bible, we look at what the Bible says, and the Bible tells us how to live. And we say, that's where I get my focus of how am I supposed to live. And if we're doing that, then we're running the, way, the race that God wants. So another thing to understand is that past races don't determine present races. Just because I did terrible in a past race, that doesn't mean I have to do terrible in the present race. And, and what I mean by that is, think about the fact that just because I messed up and I did some things in my past, doesn't mean that you have to continue to do that. It means that you can change. And you can, you can be new, be made new because of what Christ did. So understand that, that the past doesn't have to reflect on what our present race is like. So it shouldn't determine how we live now because of what we did in the past. And so I, I want to close up here um, by just sharing the, the idea of we talk about the gospel. And we say, what is the gospel? And I, I, I heard this analogy, and I love it, and I just want to share it with you guys to understand what the gospel is all about. And so, Billy Casper. Anyone, when I say Billy Casper, anyone know who Billy Casper is? Okay, a couple people. Billy Casper was a golfer back in 1970. 1970, Billy Casper won the Masters in Augusta. And so what happens when you win the Masters is that every year after that, you're able to play in the Masters You don't have to qualify or anything. You can just play. Everyone who's won the Masters can play the next year, the next however many years they want. They can continue to play. So Billy Casper won in 1970. In 2005, he made the mistake of saying, I want to play one more time. So Billy Casper comes out there. And remember, he won the Masters. And I'm not a golfer. I go to this little par three place over here. And if I can keep nine holes under 100... Man, I, I, I celebrate. I sit and go, you know what? I am king. So here's, here's Billy Casper. He gets up there, and he's just hitting that ball, and it's not going anywhere near where he wants it to go. 
So the first nine holes, understand this, first nine holes, if you get par, that means you get, you know, like, like that. 21 over par in the first nine holes. And for some reason, Billy Casper says, I want to go out for another nine. So, man, this is on national TV. He's going out there. So Casper heads out for the back nine. He gets out there, and it's, it's certain that not only would he top the previous high score at the tournament, but he would be in the record books forever as the worst golf score ever. There's no chance that anyone was ever going to beat this score. And so he went out there. He comes up to hold 16, a par three, hole 16. And he gets up there, and he hits that right into the water. And then he goes on, and he tries four more shots. Exact same spot. Four times he hits that. So it's for five shots into the water. He finally gets the ball onto the green, and everyone's cheering. And, oh, you know, like they're so excited that he finally made it on so they can actually move on now. And then he three putts. So on a par three, Billy Casper got a 14. I can tell you honestly, I can beat that. I can beat that. It does freak me out when water's in front of me. I remember one time I was golfing, and the ball actually skipped across the water, and it landed just on the grass on the other side. And I was just like, well, you have to be really good to do that. So Billy Casper didn't do that. And so he ends up with the worst score on a hole, worst score in Augusta Masters history. He's heading into the clubhouse. Here he is. He's in the record books forever. This is the worst. You are the worst golfer who has ever played. He goes in there, and it comes time to sign his scorecard. He says, I'm not going to sign it. He walks out. Guess what happened? It never happened. Because he never signed that scorecard, it never happened. He doesn't have the record for the worst score in Augusta history, for the worst hole, par three, of anyone, even me, in history. It, it, it's, it, it, never, it never happened, and that's what I want us to think about for a second. Because he didn't sign that card, it was wiped clean like it never happened. In the same way, Jesus tells us, when we understand that we're a sinner and that we need Jesus to save us, the Bible tells us that our sins are wiped clean. Just like Billy Casper wasn't in the record book for being the worst golfer. When we come to Christ and we accept what he did for us on the cross, our, our past is wiped clean. All that sin is wiped clean. And we can sit there and say, it never happened. In God's eyes, it didn't happen. Because of what Christ did for us. You see, Christ comes down if we accept what he did for us. And he wraps himself around us. And when God looks down, God says, the only way I can have a relationship with that person is if they're perfect. And Jesus says the only way they're going to be perfect is because of me. And so Jesus wraps himself around me, around you. And when God looks down, God says, 
I see perfection. Not our perfection, but Christ's perfection. And God says, the past is wiped clean. So Jesus signs our, doesn't sign our scorecard. In a sense, well, he takes a scorecard from us. Everything we've done was placed on him. And he took that for us. Hebrews 10, verse 17. I like how the message puts this. It says, he concludes, I'll forever wipe the slate clean of their sins. Christ covers us, wipes our slate clean. And we can go through life knowing that we're still going to mess up. We are still going to sin because we're human. But our focus needs to be, it's time to get off the couch. It's time to get into the race and not look at how other people are doing things right or wrong, but sit there and say, how should I be living? Where should my focus be? And get, and get moving in that. It's like running a marathon. The Christian race is objective, not subjective. You can see, and you've probably heard the stories at times where someone's running a marathon, and all of a sudden they sit there and go, I'm tired. And all of a sudden they just cut off. And they, 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 they take a shortcut. And they come in, and people are like, that was amazing. How did they get such a, you know, a great time? And then they look back and they, they realize, oh, because they didn't run the course. They kind of took shortcuts. And so they didn't finish the race. In the same way, we got to be careful not to take shortcuts in the Christian life. Not to sit there and say, there's got to be an easier way to do this. This is too hard. But to sit there and run the race and say, if the Bible tells us this is how we're supposed to live, if this is how Christ wants us to live, we don't sit there and go, is there an easier way? There's got to be a shortcut here. We run the race that's put before us. And we do it in a way that honors God. Because you can't change the course just because it's too difficult. So my question for you as we close up here is, are you on the couch? Are you on the couch saying, I don't even know who God is. I don't really understand this whole thing of having a relationship with Christ. And, and I, I'm not sure what that all means. Well, I encourage you to get off the couch to sit there and say, find out what that means. Ask somebody, seek it out and say, God, what is it? Who are you? What do you want for my life? And if you come to that point of saying, I understand what Christ did for me, and I understand that the, the slate is clean, it's wiped clean because of Christ, then we need to get off the couch and, and live that life and run that race in a way that honors God, that he's pleased with. Because it's on, that's the only way that we can sit there and, and, and stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Would you stand with me as we pray? God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the cross. And we just thank you as we think about that, that story of Billy Casper and the fact that he should have been remembered. Lord, as the worst golfer, having the worst record in Augusta. But Lord, because that scorecard wasn't signed, it never happened. And Lord, in the same way, because of the cross, if we truly seek after you and we truly realize that we're sinners and that we need you to save us, 
Lord, it can be the same for us, that our past can be wiped clean and we can start new in you. I just pray that you'll help each one of us in here to really understand that and, and, and truly believe that that's what you want for our lives. Lord, you want a relationship with us, but that only comes when we, we turn to you and turn away from everything in our past and, and just our sinfulness and our selfishness. We just thank you so much for, for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.